0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Bad MotoGP Show. As you can see, uh, I've brought uh, Remy along again because Keelan's still on vacation. Actually, he came back uh, yesterday, I believe, or today, something like this. And I would like to give him a break and not uh, overload him with uh, content as. Um, as he probably hadn't time to uh, to watch the races so yeah excited to have you back um, I'm back from Jerez as well just uh, arrived a couple of hours ago so you enjoyed the races
1: Ah, uh, races were really good thank you for having me back I appreciate it um, uh, how, tell me about the race how was it I mean like uh, I mean of course watching you on tv is great and we'll go into that but Um, how was the atmosphere how was the I mean obviously the weather was probably much better than Portugal which was nice Uh, but tell me all about it how was it
0: yeah first of all the organization in Spain is top from uh, from top to bottom it's awesome you uh, you can go there without knowing anything it's my first time in Jerez so Uh, we didn't know where to park we didn't know how to get to the track and everything is organized so well that you just have to go to the track and everything everything is uh, self-explanatory so Yeah, yeah. um, yeah which is amazing it's not in every place like this we had a bit of a bad situation in Portugal last year where we went to the track And uh, then the police uh, pretty much told us, yeah, you have to go back to the city center and buy yourself a parking ticket, which uh, were sold in some kind of a museum. It was so strange. It was really, really bad because everybody went to the track because they didn't know this. This was on a Friday. We were pretty lucky that we were there on a Friday. Everybody headed to the city center where the traffic, first, uh, first of all, was very, very bad. Then uh, there was a huge line of people trying to get those uh, stupid parking tickets. And after we solved uh, this problem on uh, Saturday and Sunday, it was pretty much okay. But in Portugal, you weren't allowed to bring food into the... uh, I heard they were
1: very strict about that. Very, very strict. Uh, No camera with any decent lens or anything, right?
0: no chance to bring them uh, in there it's crazy and spain is so laid back it's it's amazing you can bring your own food there were people with uh cameras like big cameras and they didn't care and it's so great and yeah, we were sitting at the Jorge Lorenzo corner, which is wow. named after my favorite rider. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so
0: that really... was uh, pretty unfortunate, but apart from the name, uh, the the spot is awesome. Uh, when you sit on the last corner in Jerez, you can see pretty much everything from uh, the start. Uh, the first corner, there's this bridge, so you don't see it as well, but the... Um, uh, where they're coming around then the back straight if you're on top of the grandstand you can see the back straight as well and then they're oh, coming yeah. back uh, unfortunately the stadium section where all the spanish fans were you cannot see them but then those uh, i believe ferrari corner is it yeah. know. the two right fast right corners you see them coming back there and then the last corner is so beautiful to see because you see all the carnage you see all the Overtake. A lot of uh,
1: incidents have happened yeah. uh, at the uh, at that corner. Yeah, and honestly, to be fair, Lorenzo when he was at Yamaha was boring. The racing was boring. I like I can totally appreciate how amazing he was, but it was boring to watch. Um, and then you know that whole cringy monster video where he, they paid those ladies to hang out at yeah. his apartment. That was super horrible. But then once he got once he started accepting that sort of villain role he actually became like once once his tongue sort of loosened and he started tweeting some crazy shit out then he became actually very entertaining um you know uh, so i i think he would have accepted that villain role because he should have understood you cannot be the hero in the same story where valentino rossi is the yeah, hero of course so if you can't be the hero the only thing you can either be is a sidekick which you don't want to be because you want to be equal so the only one equal to the hero is the villain so be the villain to his hero and you're going to be one of the main characters you know yeah. what i mean he tried too hard to be the hero and you can't you can't do that
0: you yeah. just can't yeah that's true and I have a theory that there aren't actual Jorge Lorenzo fans because uh, from a personal standpoint he's horrible nothing to like about him what you can yeah. like is his writing which was exceptional um exceptional. no hate there but I just don't like the person and um yeah, that there aren't uh, any Jorge Lorenzo fans that are just fans who hate Valentino Rossi and he was pretty much the first one who was (laughs) competitive, so they they all gathered around him and then when Marcus came along, a few left Marcus but yeah, you're right Uh, the villain Jorge Lorenzo is uh, certainly a great role but he didn't play it very well For example, uh, Conor McGregor, he can play this villain role uh, perfectly. And either you love him or hate him for it, but people are tuning in. But Lorenzo is kind of a, he wants to be liked by everybody and he comes across a little bit insecure, you know?
1: Yeah, And that's really, and, and, and poor guy, like, you know, when you look at his life story and, you know, his relationship with his dad, I mean, his dad wasn't, when he was just announced as a legend, his dad was not even there. He didn't, I don't think he got invited. Uh, He had a very troublesome relationship with him. Now you can say, okay, well, his overbearing dad made Lorenzo the guy that he is, which is fine. Maybe yes, maybe no. But the thing is, um, you see this a lot in elite athletes that, you know, where their parents are the ones that are pushing them. They have a very tumultuous relationship. And so he's never quite learned the social skills. And so even when he was a villain, he was sort of letting out the anger. But at the end of the day, there's a deep part of him that still wants to be liked. Yeah. And so there was always that conflict. Like the true villain doesn't give a care what you know, doesn't give a shit what you think. You know what I mean? Oh, no, but no. Uh, no, no, you no. Know. he
0: cares. He cares. First he of all, he totally
1: cares. He blocked yeah. me.
0: He blocked me on Instagram for talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> There was this photo he posted where uh, he was in Valencia uh, last year where where Valentino Rossi had his last uh, his last race, and there's this huge wall where everybody signed, and um, there's this picture of Valentino and he was posing in front of it and uh, I commented uh, down below, "Please leave," which <laughs> 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 which uh, got to be the top comment and um he didn't block me then there was an incident later but merely after that last race he blocked me and uh yeah Raúl fernandez blocked me too after talking really? shit uh, that he's the moral champion yeah um yeah, so yeah. he cares he cares about what people think you see it on 100%. his instagram as well because uh, he's reposting everything which is a little bit Jorge Lorenzo supporting or positive towards him he's reposting it immediately he's responding to comments a lot more than Valentino or uh, Mark for example yeah I don't even
1: think Valentino himself actually does his social media I think he has somebody that does it for him um yeah I mean I don't think that you can call yourself a good memer uh, or MotoGP meme person if you haven't been blocked by at least one or more rider, Like I think uh, Brodo GP, um and me personally, I think we've been blocked by three or four riders. I know, for example, uh, Colin Edwards, Cal Crushlow for sure. There's a story there which I cannot tell on the air, um, but I will say off the air. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Um, but Cal Crushlow uh, blocked uh, me and uh, a couple other, but yeah, it's uh, I, don't, I don't think you that's like a badge of honor you have to wear. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But um, I want to know actually, it's so you know, on the of course we're used to the commentators just spawning over Marquez, but at the track, whenever Mark, like when Marquez finally passed Miller the first time or when he did that say, you know, you hear, you could hear even on the broadcast this huge crowd cheer. Now, does that is that Dorna turning up the volume on the ambient crowd noise or is that for real?
0: This is for real. I mean, uh, usually it's uh, Valentino Rossi fans and then everybody else. And this time. It was Mark Marcus fans and then everybody else because everybody's wearing uh, Marcus hats could be part of the reason that Rossi's retired, that there aren't many, but there are still like second most Rossi fans. But uh, pretty much everybody is Do You still see a lot
1: of yellow, a lot of 46, yeah, yeah. a lot of everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, That's in awesome. Valencia and in uh, Misano last year, which I uh, also attended, it was crazy m- much because it was Rossi's last home GP and it was uh, Rossi's last uh, GP. So naturally, a lot of Rossi fans come out there. But uh, yeah, in Spain, it's Marcus dominated. And, uh they were cheering um when he passed um jack miller and what was crazy when uh he saved in the last corner the crash everybody was uh, for a brief second uh, in shock mode where everybody jumped up and was screaming oh what is he doing and then uh, after they realized he saved it everybody was cheering so this oh, wow. is real um i've experienced right. i've experienced the opposite at in- all yeah, which is also a quite funny story last year, uh, where Mark Marcus crashed in the rain and the entire grandstand erupted and uh, celebrated his crash, <laughs> oh oh, geez, uh, which was yeah. kind of funny. No, but uh, in Spain, Mark Marcus is the hero. I mean, Ooh, we talked about Jorge Lorenzo. There is no room for Jorge Lorenzo when you have uh, when you have oh. Valentino Rossi and you have uh, Mark Marcus in your era. So. Yeah, you have God. to be the villain. But the Marcus love is real. Yeah,
1: it's real. All right. Fair enough. Somebody's buying those hats. For sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, I like to uh, criticize him a lot and make fun of him a lot uh, because of the obvious. The 2015 season i don't 100%. Uh, agree with it and nope. uh, he has uh, many many situations uh on track where <laughs> i believe that it's not uh necessarily uh how a fair rider approaches things but that's oh, a different yeah. story but, but yeah as a i actually person,
1: have a comment about that written in my notes which means yeah yeah
0: we will that. we, we wow. will come to that but um <laughs> but from a personal perspective he seems like a nice guy and yeah uh, he's friendly and uh i have heard nothing negative about him personally i just don't uh condone how he uh no i just don't agree how he uh acts on the motorcycle you know but um from a personal standpoint there's pretty much nothing to hate about him
1: it's like almost the opposite like lorenzo as a rider you're just like wow but yeah. as a as a person, you're like, Ugh, I'll yeah. call you. You know, <laughs> don't call me. I'll call you. But with Marquez, you're like, you know, I bet you that dude's actually pretty good. Let's go get some tacos, right? I know that's yeah. a Mexican food, but, um, but you know, like, let's go hang out. But as a rider, you're like, you know, over the beers that you're having with Marquez, you'd be like, homie, could you like not run into other people as you're passing them? It's not totally cool, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, so I, I get it. That's very interesting. You know? Yeah, but
0: um, yeah, your comment to Marquez. What do you have uh, written down? Well, you
1: know, uh, with uh, Mark Marquez, let's see. Uh, so, for Mark, if we're going to start with Honda, I said, uh, you know, as a solid finish. So, how much of that he did have a decent finish after saying that, you know, the best they could accept uh, Marquez before the weekend had said um, after Friday was like, look, uh, the t- Monday test starts today. The best we can hope for is 20th. Um, he qualifies decent with a very famous toe <laughs> situation with a leash um and he finished solid um but still not obviously the mark mark as we know um how much of it is at this point how much of it do you think is the bike how much of it do you think is the injuries you know i mean is he still suffering Is a is it just like any other rider that's gotten really hurt and has come back and shown flashes of brilliance uh even after rossi broke his leg he came back and fought for the championship but he was never quite the same rider as he was before um how much of it is the bike because obviously the other riders honda riders are nowhere uh and how much of it uh, do you think is the bike
0: i refuse to believe that mark marcus is at his best when we take 2019 at his best because it's simply not possible Uh, it would be a miracle if he's now as good as he was But uh, he is still Mark Marcus, and he is Mm -hmm. one of the best riders we've ever seen in Model GP history. And um, I do believe that uh, the bike is developed into uh, the front heavy or were developed in the front heavy um, balance direction for a reason. And the reason was Mark Marcus. I said that uh, a hundred uh, times by now, and uh, he isn't fully confident on the bike, but... (sighs) He's getting there and he's still doing the best that he can, which is levels above everybody else. So um, yeah, the injury plays a role. The bike plays a role, but he's still very, very, very good.
1: I think you bring up a good point. Um, now that you brought 2019, do you think the Mark Marquez of today, the like of today, Mark Marquez would have won as many races, if he was all of a sudden, this Mark Marquez was transported back to twenty nineteen, racing uh, the guys that he was racing in twenty nineteen.
0: No, uh, because have you watched the uh, Valentino Rossi documentary?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, the one
1: yeah. that. Uh, which one?
0: The one uh, which was released by MotoGP, Tales of Valencia. Oh, okay.
1: Like episode, episode after, yeah, like the yeah. little yellow episode. Yeah, I've seen most of them. I haven't seen yeah. these
0: There was uh, one episode where they talked about the Mugello incident, and Danny Pedrosa, as the expert that he is about motorcycle injuries, came on the set, <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, he pretty much said that um, when you crash, you don't only have a scar on your body, you also have a scar on your brain. Wow, and- absolutely. I believe that Mark Marcus is exceptional in this way that every other rider with this injury would not push as far as he does. But there is still a difference between Mark Marcus 2019, where he had where he was completely fearless, and now Absolutely. because now he knows the risk. He just doesn't want to accept it kind of you know what i mean
1: yeah bill wants not only the risk but the consequence right like yeah yeah yeah. you know the whole like i could bonk my head and if i high again uh will the double vision last uh three weeks this time will it last forever a month and a half will it just be permanent like you know the the punishment is now known to me it's like hey i've been to jail trust me, I didn't want to commit crimes before, but I definitely don't want to commit crimes now. Yeah, You know, I got away with it for a long time, but I've been to jail now. I don't want to go back. You know, yeah. it's kind of like that situation.
0: So you I know, but... Be-
1: be- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. yeah,
0: I believe if you time travel today's Mark Marcus into 2019, he will still win the championship and he still win a lot of races, but not as good because he isn't, first of all, pushing as far as he was because he knows the risk. even though he's pushing it sometimes too far there's levels uh, to this shit you know and i I refuse to believe that it doesn't bother him uh, at all but it bothers him uh, very little which is very impressive so uh yeah i don't believe that he will be uh, as good but still very good and even today, if today Mark Marcus had the bike which uh, was developed purely for him, he would be better than he is right now because this bike pretty much is developed for Paul Espagaro yeah.
1: because Marcus yeah.
0: didn't have yeah. much to say uh, because he was injured. So he couldn't really test. And yeah. um, the swing happened while he was injured. So Honda realized okay, we can't put all our eggs in one basket we need to listen to the other riders and Paul is the second best rider at Honda right now. So I believe he had yeah. a lot to say, uh, there with his. They should send uh, that
1: telegram to Yamaha too, but we'll yeah. to come back. That. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, that was, that was a, one of the funny things, uh, you know, talking about, like when you're talking about Marquez earlier was that, you know, during the race, uh, one of the commenters commentators, like, Oh, another clean and precise, uh, pass by Marquez as he is known to do. And I'm like, uh, homie that is like the last thing he's known for is his clean passes like he barrels into the side of people at the time so i thought that was hilarious that they were even trying to say whether to say like another trademark surgical and clean pass by marquez i was like well alex marquez who are we talking about right here?" <laughs> you know? yeah yeah
0: it's like uh praising uh dennis Enshu for his clean riding style you know <laughs> Yeah, I mean you can praise Mark Marcus for a lot of things, but this is probably not his strongest point. Let's be honest here.
1: And I think because, and I think the annoying thing is that he gets away with a lot more because of who he is. It's I think it's a lot of people can feel the same annoyance inside and like you know the popular kid in school used to get away with a lot more shit but if you did that you would have been immediately suspended from school and you see that person keep on doing that keep on doing that and nothing ever happens I, you know alesh i think protests a little bit too much sometimes but he's not completely off base that yeah. marquez gets away with some of the stuff that none of the or even remy gardner said that you know it's like yo if i would have done what marquez had been doing i would have started from the back of the pack yeah and i totally 100 believe him yeah. You know and mm-hmm. I think p that creates a sort of resentment uh, not only amongst the riders probably to a certain extent but definitely the fans.
0: Yeah. But he's still the top dog at Honda even with his injuries because Paul Espargaro is doing his best to be fired.
1: Oh, he's because, going to be fired. Yeah. We'll talk about exactly why but he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's he's not going to be at Repsol Honda next season. Yeah. I I 100% don't believe it.
0: Especially with the Suzuki situation what we will get in later. Um Paul Espargaro had an amazing test, he had an amazing start to the season, but after Qatar, he pretty much fell off. I don't know why. And he did good in the Perez test uh, as well, but it's just a test. So, you know, but uh, Maverick
1: Vinales has topped every test they've ever had. Look at where he is.
0: So uh, Paul Espargaro is simply not good enough at the moment where even I, as a kind of Paul Espargaro fan, I met him once. He's a very, very nice guy. We talked at uh, here at Rocker's Ranch. Um, When uh, I did the podcast with Remy, we went to Rocker's Ranch training and Paul happened to be there. So we talked a little bit and uh, he's super friendly. uh, Very, very nice guy. He was uh, super open and... You know, he doesn't, you don't get the feeling that uh, he was like, oh, there's some random fan. Uh, I have to talk to him. But it seemed like he wanted to talk. He was very, very, very friendly. So um, I like the guy. He won my heart. But his performances, when you just look at the results, simply are not good enough right now. Uh, yeah. As the Absolutely. other Hondas. I mean, Nakagami was yeah. uh, not good. And... If you want to fire Nakagami, you have to fire Mark, uh, Alex Marquez, I'm sorry, as well. So, yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, where did Taka finish 7th, Alex Marquez finished 17th. Um, Taka finished, uh, what, 15 seconds, give or take, uh, behind the winner. Alex Marquez, 25 seconds yeah. behind the winner. You know, I mean, I, Taka, pre, uh, the only way Taka, uh, Taka is going to keep a ride for next season, he has to win a race. If uh, short of winning a race... He's gone. Ogura is coming. Ogura was amazing in Moto2 this past weekend. The only thing Taka has any hope of staying in MotoGP past this season, um, especially with the whole Suzuki situation that's going on, there's plenty of good riders that might be available very soon, is he would need to seriously, without a doubt, win a race. Not a weird rain race where half the field, not pull a Joe Roberts, but like a real win. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I disagree. Because I believe that even if Takaka Nakagami wins a race, we pretty much know where his ceiling is right now. Which is, he's a good rider, of course, but he's not special. And there's no way he's getting podiums consistently. There's no Mm -hmm. way he wins an occasional race. And um, with Ayogura, you don't know. He is very, very good at the end of a race and... We've seen right now what he can do, when uh, he has a good qualifying. And if I'm Honda, even if Takaga Nakagami wins one race and have two other podiums, I will still put um, Ayogura in there because he hasn't. The, the, he has
1: more potential. Yeah, like, yeah. That's we pretty already much. know what. Uh, that's a yeah. very good point. We already know what yeah. Takaka can do. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, whereas this person could be worse, but they could be way, way, way better. You know? The upside point. is there. It's Very like
0: cool. uh, with the NFL draft, we had this a couple of days ago, I believe when you have a good quarterback and you have a rookie quarterback who could be a superstar, who could be a Patrick Mahomes, you will draft him mm-hmm. and you will like the chiefs did a couple of years ago. They drafted mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, even they had, uh, even though they had Alex Smith and Alex Smith was good, nothing to complain there, but he wasn't special and they took the chance yeah, and yeah. it paid off, you know, and the same applies to MotoGP. If you, uh, Our Honda, You first of all, you are lacking good riders because apart from Mark Marquez, nobody's doing the job. And you have to um, market an Asian rider. That's why Takaka Nakagami is in MotoGP in the first place. He wasn't special in Moto2. And if you have a good Japanese rider, why not take a good Japanese rider over an average, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and it's funny to say that about, like, uh, how many guys are in GP this weekend? 25. Those are 25 special guys. But even amongst those special guys, you have to be special, special at this point because there's special is now the basic. You know, you're, yeah. of, of course you're special. You're here. Now, what are you going to do to show yourself that you're even more special? Yeah. You know, and so it's a big ask. And uh, Taka is, of course, special. He's in MotoGP. He's one of the best riders in the world, but he's not special enough. Yeah. And uh, Ayagura could maybe be that, like, you know, shining diamond that honda need or you know
0: yeah imagine they, if, they're in a tough spot yeah imagine if ayagura wins a race uh, on a Repsol honda all the japanese fans would be on fire you know motegi will be sold out and you exactly. don't get this with uh nakagami i mean we don't have to discuss that the riders in moto gp are the one percent of the one percent but you have to be the good 1% of the 1% to stay in MotoGP, you
1: know? Yeah, And um, Like, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of hair shows. I've done a lot of hair shows. I've done runway shows uh, um, because of my profession and everything. And when you're in a room full of models, of course, every model there is pretty. Of course, that's why they're models. But even out of those models, you can be like, that's the one. She's yeah. super pretty. And then if she's the prettiest one, then there's got to be the least pretty one, and and even though she's a model, that wouldn't be my, my last choice to maybe do her hair. Uh, you know, yeah. Obviously, I'm happily married, <laughs> but that'll be my last choice. My wife watches these podcasts. I gotta be careful, you know. But so I'm saying, like, even out of this room full of beautiful women, she is the most beautiful. Let's say objectively, yeah. spe- or subjectively speaking, you know. Um, and so that's that's the sort of the problem thing. Like uh, everybody here is super, but you have to be super super. Yeah. even within this crowd. And unfortunately, Taka is just not there. And Honda uh, in such dire straits that at this point, if they just hit the flush button on the toilet, got rid of everything and brought in everything new, they really wouldn't be any worse off. I mean, is it, are you trying to tell me that Alex Marquez is, he finished 13th, 25 seconds behind, that he would finish worse than maybe a rookie on that would be, you know? A rookie could finish in the points. Darren Bender did it. (laughs) You know, we all argued about whether he deserved to be there, you know? And so, yeah, they have nothing really left to lose at this point by getting rid of everybody.
0: So, yeah, I mean, mean, uh, if you're Honda, it's a little bit of a problem because if you get rid of three riders, you are still stuck stuck in a situation. The only continuity you have is Mark Marquez, and you want to develop the bike for like a broader audience if you want to. Yeah. Um, But every rider except from mark marquez isn't doing their job and Paul espargaro needs to be in the top 5 every race every race keep his uh seat and to be a championship contender which is the expectance when you are from uh, when you are riding for repsol honda he isn't doing that takaka Nakagami isn't doing good alex marquez especially isn't going um, isn't doing anything so I would just get rid of them. Uh, I would love to see uh, Chandra and Ogura at LCR. Make it like LCR, Honda, Asian Talent Cup, uh, Edimitsu racing team, you know?
1: Yeah, and bring and, in some um, extra money. Absolutely. I mean, because you're right. When Pedroso was there, he never won the championship. Probably one of the best riders to never win the championship. But he was always, at the end of this championship stand, he was always top three, top four, maximum. Every, any And plus, it was like any weekend, he could legitimately win the race against... Casey Stoner, Lorenzo, uh, um, you know Valentino Rossi. And on his day, he could beat any of them. I don't get that from Paulus Bargaro.
0: Yeah, of course. And um, even, yeah, we could switch to the Suzuki situation now because uh, with Joan Mia and Alex Rins on the market, who are you taking, Paulus Bargaro or Joan Mia or Alex Rins? <laughs> the way they are performing right now, you take uh, the Suzuki riders. And um, Absolutely. first of all... I don't understand what the hell is going on with this. What with is you? going on? Because yeah. the only explanation that I have is money. Because the results are there. They are currently leading the team championship.
1: <laughs> they won the title two years they ago. They
0: won the title. Alex Rins entered as the uh, championship leader together with Fabio uh, to the um, to the race. He had a bad race. okay, But because of a bad race, you don't uh, throw the whole MotoGP pro, uh, project uh, out the window. No being,
1: uh they only they just brought Livio Supo in Livio Supo, yeah. in which I I think that some of Alex Rince and I think some of their better results and more consistency this season is because of Livio Supo. Um and they just brought him in and this is his first year back. Like what are they what are they smoking over I don't know. Suzuki?
0: It has to be some kind of a management decision. Maybe they have some kind of a new structure on the board, whatever, who uh, aren't pro motorcycle racing could be. I don't know. This, this is the only explanation that I have. And even the money explanation is a tough one for me because um, a little bit of my backstory. I worked at uh, Daimler for uh, a little bit. And uh, I was working at the bus department and uh, Daimler pretty much is now uh, split up into Mercedes-Benz, which is the car section and uh, Daimler Trucks, which is the truck and bus section. But there used to be one company, which was uh, the Daimler AG. And um, pretty much every time there was some money lacking at the bus department or the truck department, the car department bailed them out. And I would assume that it's the same with uh, the same with uh, Suzuki, that if the motorcycles maybe aren't doing that good, the car department could bail them right, out right. because Suzuki is doing uh, a lot of road cars, which are affordable, which people buy. So it's not like
1: their Asian market is huge. Yeah. If you go to yeah. any of the Asian countries, every other car is a small tiny yeah. Suzuki car. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I don't know. I'm not CFO of uh, Suzuki. I don't know how their uh, financial status is, how much they are willing to invest, for example, in renewable uh, technologies uh, like electric cars or uh, maybe some hydrogen cars. I don't know. This could be a reason that they simply want to go in a very, very different uh, direction. But this is pure speculation. It doesn't make any sense for me because they doing very 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 good they're yeah. one of the top three bikes on the grid right now and yeah, um it's not like kawasaki a couple of years ago when they were just last and they uh, said okay well fuck this we don't need to spend many, <laughs> yeah. uh, millions of the <coughs> uh last but yeah. suzuki is doing well they uh, have a very very good uh program there in moto gp it's a good marketing uh, tool to have if you are winning the championship and are on the podium uh, a couple of times a season you know this this is good yeah uh, this is good to sell motorcycles well, uh, i don't understand in- a thing
1: well the interesting thing is that you know one uh, you know they do they have a big title? They're called like Suzuki X-Star or the X-Star Suzuki, but that's their own brand. That's like me saying my son sponsors me. It's like, yeah, but you pay all of your son's bills. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like X-Star is your own company. That would be like, oh, well, we're sponsored by AMG. It's like, yeah, but doesn't Mercedes own AMG? Like, how are you being sponsored by your own thing? You know what I mean? Um, and I don't know why they have don't have a huge title sponsor that's bringing them tons and tons of money. Uh, I mean, even Ducati, it's like, uh, you know, Lenovo Ducati, like they make the laptops or whatever. It's like, how come there's not a company name before uh, before that? And I think you made a very good point when you mentioned renewables, because, you know, we know that uh, do, MotoGP or Dorna has said that they want um, the bikes running on renewable energies are almost all, uh, you know, like, fake gas if you will yeah by, they're
0: to be uh completely uh fueled by e-fuels by 20, yeah, 20, 20, seven. Six,
1: 20, 20 I 27.
0: 2027 yeah, yeah which is and not that some, far some i mean how are you gonna
1: together? make a, hundred, a engine run on something they could be looking at that and being like look that's gonna be a billion dollar project do we gonna go want to go down that or can how how, how many years can we sell this oh yeah but we just won moto gp in 2021 or whatever how uh, 2020 how many years uh is that worth before we need to go back and do that again you know um uh, you know when who was the last suzuki rider to win the championship was it kenny roberts jr was he on a suzuki yeah think so yeah so it's like you know they rode that for a long time maybe they don't want to make the they look at the long-term investment that's going to require to keep stay in moto gp and that whole renewable business is just not working for them because the place where they make cars, there those countries aren't where they sell the most most of their cars. There's not really that much of a market or demand uh, from their main, say, target market for uh, battery cars. You know, it's just not. I mean, I, when I go to Pakistan, which I haven't gone to Pakistan in decades, but if I go every other car is a tiny blue Suzuki, you know what I mean? That's half of them run on diesel, you know? Yes. So it's, I just don't think that that's, you're right. They're not making that investment and maybe they just see this as a long-term investment that they don't want to even start going down that path.
0: Yeah. I don't know, but it has to be some kind of a financial issue. I can't explain it in any other way, but, um, back to the, uh, to the sport itself, it's sad because it's beautiful to have Suzuki, uh, there it's beautiful that they're competitive. And uh, speaking of the race, Joan Mir did pretty much uh, the best Joan Mir job he uh, is doing because he Mm -hmm. did what it's like sixth and no spectacular race, but not a bad race and was uh, not competitive for the podium, but he was getting there and ready to pick up the pieces if anything happened, you know. And um, this is pretty much what John Mir does. Sometimes uh, this performance leads to a third place. Sometimes it's just a sixth place. But if you want to have a rider who's always uh, good, sign John Mir. But he won't be special. He won't be bad, you know. And uh, Alex Rins, he had a terrible weekend where he went off uh, the track and even... He, he had an amazing race pace. You don't see it on the broadcast, but this is a benefit from watching it live. You can see him getting closer to uh, Lorenzo uh, Salvadori and Remy Gardner, um, lap by lap. And he was um, pulling extreme gaps after he overtook them. Of course, Lorenzo oh. Salvadori is just a test rider, and Remy rode with half a bike. You know, he had yeah. wing damage. Well, so, the
1: wing, yeah, he said yeah, he, he could have just torn the other one out, But
0: but it's yeah. it's a benefit of seeing uh the race live that you get more of the action uh which happens off camera and i don't understand what's going on with the zuki i can only explain it that uh, there are some kind of uh, manager or some managers on the uh on the board who say okay we don't want to uh, we we'll just look at the number say what they cost like 50 million dollars whatever i don't know what a MotoGP yeah. team costs." Uh, I'll just uh, throw the number uh, out there. I don't want that cross it out. You know, this is the only explanation that I have, but uh, it's sad for the sport. It's sad for Suzuki motorcycles because uh, one of the most beautiful bikes on the the track
1: too. The the livery is great. The exhaust shape is so interesting. I mean, it's a beautiful bike. They have two great riders that are entertaining to watch. It is a, it would be a huge blow. I mean, obviously I don't think that Ducati would bring two more bikes up, but I have heard rumors that Aprilia would maybe want to uh, carry on a satellite, uh, satellite thing there. So uh, they might be up for bringing that up. Um, But yeah, Yeah. really bad weekend. And do you, do you think that this whole rinse going off the track is like the return of, you know, he was even on points with, uh, with Fabio. Do you think that this is like uh, shades of crack under the pressure rinse again or was this just bad luck no because the weather was great yeah
0: of course uh, it was just a mistake like mistakes happen he was uh in a bad situation uh where he put himself in for having a bad qualifying and bad free practices but i guess he wanted to recover places and just made a mistake like he did in the past but a he didn't crash and he had a horrible crash there in 2020 where he injured himself so that's a step in the right direction to not injure yourself where you're out for a couple of races. And uh, I just believe it was a mistake. It's pretty much what's going to happen over a 21 uh, race season that you will have some mistakes, you know. But uh, overall, you can't really blame him for that. And um, with the satellite bikes, uh, I had uh, an idea When I was doing the podcast with Remy, I asked him if he knows anything about KTM bringing six bikes because KTM has so many good up and coming riders. And this was obviously before the 2022 season where uh, what if Pedro uh, Banks, um, what if Pedro hits uh, like he hit last year? You know, then he's moving to MotoGP and what are you doing? What if Augusto Fernandes all of a sudden becomes a championship contender? What are you doing now? And you don't want to lose all that talent that you build up from the Rookies Cup, from Moto3 to Moto2. You don't want to lose it to the other manufacturers. So um, I thought that there may be a possibility of KTM bringing six bikes, which will get much more likely uh, with uh, Suzuki leaving right now. But uh, yeah, Miguel Oliveira and Brad Binder aren't very impressive. So I believe if they uh, need to make room, for example, for Pedro or uh, whatever, they will have the, um, the freedom to make room. But yeah. if they want, they could bring six bikes. It's not impossible. Yeah,
1: I mean, Binder didn't have a bad race. And I think that he still signed on for a couple more years. But yeah, Miguel, you know, it goes back to that thing. It's like, you know, he had that really bad injury. Will he ever be the Miguel Oliveira that, you know, now, I know that's a weird thing to say. He won a race this season already, but it was a yeah. weird race in the rain. You know what I mean? Um, physical things become a little bit more easy to deal with when it rains because you don't break as hard. You don't accelerate as hard. You don't throw the bike around as hard. And so uh, you have to be careful, a little bit more gentle. And so you can do that while you're still, uh, you know, injured. But um, so Brad Binder is not going to Miguel Oliveira. I could see him going somewhere uh I mean Remy Gardner I don't uh, Remy Gardner I think is safer now because unless Jack Miller finds the perfect spot I mean uh you know Remy Gardner has the right passport you know if we're saying that Taka has the right passport for being GP right now Remy Gardner has the other good passport we need an Australian rider he fits the bill Jack Miller's there but how long will Jack Miller be there again Remy is still on the up and up Um, but yeah. Uh, and then of course, Fernandez didn't, didn't race this weekend, but he did say something very interesting about Pedro Acosta. He said that he thinks that Acosta is trying too hard to ride the bike, like a Moto3 bike, um, where it's trying to wring its neck around the corner and, uh, trying to take these really tight lines and that in Moto2, you just can't do that. You have to take these long sweeping lines that have um, the more corner speed and just let the bike do its thing. Um, because if he keeps riding this way, it's that's not the way to go fast. And I don't think anybody would say that Pedro Costa is not supremely talented. Yeah, I think he still has not quite fit. He's trying to uh, will the bike to his um, riding style and he may need to just make some adjustments to his riding style. Once he does, I would be surprised if Pedro Costa doesn't do much, much better in, in next year in Moto2 than this year. But right now, um, you know, uh, he's having a bit of a trouble, but he's an asset and you want to keep your assets happy. And yeah, if KTM can carry on uh, with two more bikes, that would be great. Honestly, anybody bringing in, like uh, it'd be great if Aprilia brought in two more bikes because it would help them a lot, get more uh, get more knowledge. And it would, you know, it's kind of like, it should be a point of pride. Hey, you know, we can support four bikes. We have a customer that wants our bikes because they're so good, you know, because yeah. KTM already has a satellite team, you know? So it would be kind of cool for Aprilia to bring in, um two bikes and uh, you know i've i, I have some uh, opinions on elation is early, but we'll get to that when when, when yeah. we yeah
0: let's get to it because um first of all if i'm dorna i'm calling kawasaki and bmw i'm saying hey we have an open spot we really don't want 10 ducatis on the bike no, we uh nice. and for most most manufacturers it's uh it's too much to ask for to bring six bikes maybe Honda I don't believe Yamaha will do it maybe KTM but even for Aprilia they are a small factory a two team uh, a two rider team is is fine for Aprilia. as same as for Suzuki and um yeah I would Which is call... weird because Suzuki
1: was talking about bringing in a satellite team for maybe next year or two years from now and now all of a sudden they're quitting so you're like wait dude what are you talking it'd be like saying like yeah you know i'm totally f- about thinking about buying an engagement ring and then you break up with the girl a week later you know they'd be like wait wh- what happened
0: yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty much the state of uh, suzuki and probably everybody who's uh in the team is as shocked as uh we are because you could not see it coming it's totally insane from a competitive aspect to say okay we are done we are uh, we aren't doing anything more in MotoGP they could win the championship this year it's not impossible yeah. and uh yeah it has to be some kind of a management decision but but, but Aprilia
1: Aprilia would be cool and, and and Aprilia it would be good for them because I think that like for example um I do think that elation and Aprilia are I think you would be silly not to think of them as legitimate title contenders currently. I mean, uh, this is another convincing uh, race by Aleish. Uh, I think he's super focused. hes uh, I don't think that and there's any doubt that he's one of the hardest working guys, if not the hardest working guy uh, on the thing. So that dedication, you know, is there. And the bike is doing fantastic. It seems to have the agility of the Yamaha, but the power of a V4, and it's just doing really, really well. Um, the tricky thing is, uh, the better the bike is, the more elacious seat is in danger and the better. Uh, 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 yes. And I will explain.
0: I disagree. I,
1: think I will tell you why, because the better, first of all, they're already split on money, the better the bike does, the easier it gets for them to attract a better rider. And it makes it easier for them to be like, sorry, we couldn't make it happen. We know of a dope bike. Thanks so much for the development help. Bye-bye. And then they can say, ah, look, Pedro Costa is now on our bike or, or wh- whomever. You know, so ironically, the better Alish is doing, the more uh, short of winning the title. Of course, if you win the title, you're, that buys you 10 years in GP. He's already been there for 800 years. So 810 years. You know, but the thing is, like, I, ironically, I think the better Alish does, if he doesn't win the title, he's actually making it easier for them to replace him nope. with somebody better. Really? All right. Let's hear it. Why not?
0: I disagree. because. I would tweak your argument in saying the better Maverick does, the worse it is for Aleish's seed. But as long as Aleish is on the podium and Maverick is uh, in the double Nowhere. digit. Yeah. yeah. As When Maverick starts to get consistently in the top 10, maybe we can have this discussion. But as right. long as Maverick yeah. is uh, on the back of the grid, because Maverick is a super fast rider. When, when Maverick is good, he is unbeatable.
1: He hasn't been good in a long time, though. That's the problem. Yeah,
0: yeah. The problem with Maverick is that he can't figure out how to be fast consistently, especially in the beginning of a race. And yeah, it's the same old Maverick story. Uh, We discussed it uh, probably (laughs) a hundred times. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But uh, as long as Aleish is putting the thing on the podium and uh, Maverick isn't getting out of the double digits... If I'm a leash, I'm saying, okay, here's my number. What it 10 million, 50 million sign it, or I will have to fuck out because he isn't doing bad financially. He already, uh, thought about retiring he has a beautiful family he has a nice uh, Lamborghini he has a nice Ferrari does he I didn't know that (laughs) yeah he's posting a little bit on social media and if he's not completely financially stupid he has a lot of money invested which uh, will serve him later when he isn't racing anymore because it's Mm -hmm. inevitable that he will retire one day obviously and if you have some money left buy yourself a Ferrari buy yourself a Lamborghini do you everything's fine So uh, I don't believe that uh, Aleish has to ride in MotoGP. He wants to ride and he wants to be on a competitive bike. He doesn't want to go to Yamaha, for example, and develop the bike again. He doesn't want to do it. He wants to be with Aprilia because he's been successful there. This is his bike. And uh, as long as Maverick is uh, having these bad results, if I'm Aleish, I'm just uh, giving them uh, my number and say, okay, Figure out how you will be,
1: Uh, but that's the thing. that see, like the the whole idea of Maverick hasn't been good in a long time, though, you know, because people are starting to get into their head about, like, yo, Maverick is a bit of a head case. It a a could just be like, hey, thanks for developing the bike, we know it's good, you did great on it, and that other guy's a maniac, uh, he's just there's something wrong with him, and so we're gonna get rid of both y'alls and we're bringing, uh, bringing in Sergio Garcia and you know, Efren Guara, you know, or whatever.
0: Yeah, but it's it's kind of a pointless discussion to have when you don't have any evidence of... Or we'll bring, in,
1: we'll bring in Alex Rince from Suzuki. Who would but, you rather have right now?
0: Yeah, I would... you I rather would have Maverick
1: or Alex Rince? Alex Rince. I would Rince. rather have Alex Rince any day of the week.
0: Yeah, of course, but I would rather have... Ale- if I'm a Aprilia, I would rather have Aleish on the thing than Alex Rince.
1: Okay, yeah, fair enough. And yeah, if I'm... I mean-
0: the list is long of writers that I would replace Maverick with, but the list is short of writers <laughs> I, would with, I, would, uh, I would replace um, Aleish with. And again, Maverick seems like a nice guy. Uh, I love him to death. Yeah, in the
1: documentary, he seemed like a really, a really nice dude.
0: Yeah, he was so sweet with the situations with his daughter where he said like, oh, my God, this is my little bubble. I will never want to leave. I was almost crying because mm. it was so cute. And yeah, um, yeah. but, you know, you have to produce and you have to see the results and don't fall in love with the character. You can be a very, very nice person, but if you are not good at your job, it doesn't matter. Yeah, good. I mean,
1: like, hell, you know, my surgeon could be the nicest person I ever met. And my personal best friend, but he's a shitty surgeon. I don't want him doing my heart surgery. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want the best guy for the job. Yeah. I mean, even if he's a bit of an idiot like Jorge Lorenzo. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, of so. course. And uh, if you don't have any evidence of every of any anybody uh, having good results on Aprilia except a you can't really uh, have an argument with Elaeus saying, "Oh, our bike is so good." No, Elaeus is making the bike work. Nobody else. It's yeah, like when you're having a hot golf girl- girlfriend and she's, is, is is she's a little bit difficult, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say, oh, I would just have to get uh, out and uh, I will pa- pull one tan after another from the club. But you have no evidence because every uh, other bitch you ever smashed uh, was ugly as fuck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're getting you're getting a little bit but lost You found there.
1: the one really hot blind girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, you will maybe then say, okay, realistically i don't have any other shot with a girl which is as beautiful as she is so i will let a little bit more slide than i would normally you know and that's what they need
1: to do then they're they're trying to be like they're trying to keep the hot girlfriend but then also be like yeah but you pay for dinner i don't feel like paying you know if they want to lace around homie yo pay up sucker i mean i'm surprised that they haven't uh still announced that they they've re-signed with him yet yeah
0: it's the same with Yamaha. If I'm Yamaha, if I'm Aprilia, and if I'm Honda, I would giving uh, I would be giving Fabio, Aleish, and Mark a blank check. Just write your number in, and we will figure out how to pay it. Because yeah. if not, we would be damned. I made a meme about it, and I yeah. mean it. It's... Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah.
1: Especially with the Fabio situation. Nobody else is doing anything on that bike uh like right now absolutely like morbidelli finished 15th Davicioso was 17th of course your favorite rider darren Binder, uh crashed uh very early on in the race which was sad for him um but fabio finished second and him and pekka were in a world of their own i mean it almost kind of reminded me of catalumia 2009 where I, it's funny i'll show people catalumia 2009 and people uh, that are unacquainted moto gp they'll be like also, oh, only two guys race at a time? And I'm like, no, there's like 20 other guys, but these two guys are so fast that they left even all those other dudes in the dust. And so it's just these two guys against each other right now, um, which is always surprising. It kind of almost threw shades of that. They're, they're, those two were in their own yeah. their world. And yeah, if Fabio, I think this decision, uh, Now I've heard rumors that it, Lynn Jarvis saying that, like, they're really close. It's just a formality now. But, you know, obviously until the pen is on the paper, everything is up for grabs. Yeah. Um, and I think that this, uh, this, the decision for Fabio has probably have gotten a lot harder now after the last couple races. Um, I think it seems like Yamaha built that bike for the European rounds. And now that they're back from the flyaways, because most of the race course, happens in Europe, the bike seems to be doing well. Um, for Fabio, it would have been a lot easier if the bike was doing really great or really shitty. But it's kind of shitty, and then it's kind of good. And it's kind of shitty, and it's kind of good. And it's making them kind of nervous. And uh, But honestly, where else is he going to go? There's well, Soon, there might even be one less manufacturer. Some people are saying, like, oh, Fabio would crush it on the Suzuki. It's like, huh, surprise, Suzuki's not there anymore. So um, I think that that, if anything, Yamaha is probably the happiest person that Suzuki is not around uh, or might be pulling out. Yeah. Um but yeah if 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 you're Yamaha you give Fabio whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. You know? Facts. He's a legitimate world champion.
0: Yeah, and uh he's doing we talked about this uh last week, that he's pretty much doing Mark Marcus-esque stuff, where he isn't as, quite as good as Mark Marcus was on the Honda, but he's the only one who's competitive. And um, I was uh, saying a long time, if I'm Fabio, I will be looking at the Suzuki, which is now out of the window. Um, but where else would he go? To Aprilia?
1: I mean, I think he do okay at Aprilia, but he I mean, does everywhere okay
0: because he's the fucking best rider in the world you know yeah it's like putting tom brady in every uh, nfl team with most of them he will make the playoffs but
1: yeah
0: with some i love how plays. you know
1: more I, I, i'm a side note i love how you know more about american football than i do <laughs> <laughs> like i know obviously i know who tom brady is but like I don't watch the draft and and I I pretty much MotoGP is one of the only sports I watch, you know, other than the Olympics and stuff like that, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of other things. So it's it's amazing that you know so much about American football. Do you watch it a lot in Germany?
0: Um, The hype was getting to Germany uh, a couple of uh, years ago and uh, Mm -hmm. I played myself uh, when I was 14, maybe.
1: Like American style football. Yeah, yeah. I
0: played defensive end uh, in the city down here but yeah then I quit uh, but I like the sport it's just nothing that I want to do personally <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> that fucking
0: hurts. Um,
1: yeah, yeah traumatic brain yeah, injury, and <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm just interested in sports. I also watch uh, UFC a lot, I watch uh kickboxing, you know, I, I like <laughs> watching sports. I don't watch Netflix, I don't watch uh anything on TV, I just watch sports, and uh, I like to educate myself on the uh topics that I'm watching, so if I'm <laughs> ball steep into uh gp and i'm what I, I can't watch um nfl like as a side gig. i want to be ball steep in there too you know
1: yeah, yeah my favorite joke about kickboxing is by this american comedian named norm mcdonald did you ever hear of him
0: Again, norm mcdonald I he just understand.
1: he just recently huh
0: i didn't understand the first part of oh, it uh
1: okay. one of my favorite jokes is by this american comedian named norm mcdonald do you know about him nope yeah, but he had this really funny joke about kickboxing where he's like, I love kickboxing. It combines the grace and beauty of boxing with kicking. <laughs> just, just, just I, I love his style of joke, but yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. But that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to Fabio. Um, yeah, he could do well at any, any team. But right now, I mean, for as much as the Yamaha sucks, I mean, it's not that bad. He's he's, you know, he won the last race. Oh, so, yeah, he won the last race, right? And uh this race, uh, he finished second way, way, way beyond where third was. Like he there's a couple times where it looked like he might have something for Peko, but um he may not have been able to beat Peko, but he definitely beat everybody else. Yeah. You know, so
0: and uh Fabio is uh is so calm and collected while being on an inferior bike that he waits exactly for the right opportunity, like Aleish did. Aleish waited until the opportunity uh, occurred and then overtook Miller and Marcus and he was gone. And Fabio is pretty much doing the same thing that he waits for his opportunity. And if he is finishing in eighth, he will take that eighth place. If he will finish in second, he didn't break the bank to overtake, uh, Peco, no, because otherwise he would end up in the gravel because Peco was unbeatable that day and he, he accepted yeah. it. And yeah, um, yeah. I believe it's easy for an athlete to think, okay, I've won in uh, in uh, 2020 twice. I should have won last year. I need to win now. And mm. he is very, very calm. He is, uh, for his age, very mature. And yeah. I'm really impressed by his performance because he said, okay, Peko is uh, better today. I tried everything, no need to risk too much and throw away the championship. And that's why he's he's leading the championship right now. And uh, regarding the other Yamaha riders, you can't tell me that Andrea Dovizioso and Franco Morbidelli are bad riders all of a sudden. I mean, they oh. are
1: both Talking about the guy who was a, it's a runner up to Marquez three years in a row yeah. and one year was within one race of winning the championship. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I doubt that that guy forgot how to ride a bike in, no. a, in a couple of years. You know? I
0: believe Yamaha is getting too cocky. It's like the same with Honda. They have a bike which is uh, which is good. And Marc Marquez, respectively, uh, Fabio Quartararo are doing good on the bike. So no need to develop it, especially with the success Yamaha had. They were good with uh, Valentino Rossi. They were good with uh, Jorge Lorenzo. And now they're good with uh, Fabio Cuattarao because they have this kind of bike which works, if everything um, works in their favor, is unbeatable, like Portimao, for example. But it's not a winning strategy, as you said, to develop a bike Just for the European races, this is stupid because half of the calendar is outside of Europe. And if you can't win shit in America uh, and if you can't win shit in Asia, you're pretty much fucked because what are you going to do? And with this bike, you certainly won't win in uh, Mugello. You won't win in Catalonia. I mean, this would be a miracle. It's funny, because
1: um, Fabio won Mugello last
0: year. Yeah, yeah. Last year was a different yeah. story. But this year, from the perspective of Monday after the race in Gera, <laughs> where Pecco was going toe-to-toe with Fabio on pretty much his best track. Yeah. There's no way he doesn't, uh, doesn't beat Fabio in uh, Mugello.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, he's only 33 points down with 15 races to go. That's a little over two points for, I mean, that's completely doable. Um, Again, yeah, like you said, you know, he beat Fabio at a track. uh, That's, that's like Fabio's track, you know, he's he's done so well there. there. Um, uh, You know, the fact that he beat him in perfect weather, so convincingly in the sense that like there wasn't, they weren't like switching back and forth. He got in front of him and he stayed in front. Has got to make Fabio a little bit worried about the rest of the season. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Um, you know, and so they, hopefully they brought something for him, uh, at the test, but, you know, knowing Yamaha, it's probably just odds and ends, you know, it's not going to be anything or or anything worth, uh, you know, the type of power differential that they're facing with the Ducati.
0: Yeah. But the big, uh, the big thing is the engine and you can't develop the engine. So the most Yamaha can do, even if they do everything right from now on is, to make a better chassis around the engine, to help to uh, fix the rear grip issue. But uh, you yeah. also have this I- issue with the engine, which is not going away because you can't overtake uh, Ducati or Honda or KTM or Suzuki. Or, or Suzuki, because, yeah. because you uh, can't get close to them on the straight. And Fabio is breaking like a motherfucker. And yeah. Frankie, for example, I feel like he has some issue to brake as late as Fabio. And I feel like Fabio is gaining a lot of the time in the braking zone. And the other Yamaha riders aren't capable of doing this. So um, when you are in the situation where you are stuck behind a rider, you're pretty much ruining your front tire, which uh, was especially in Jerez uh, a big issue. And um, Fabio, even if he could overtake Peko, let's say he uh, theoretically had a better pace than Peko. If, you, if he was stuck behind Fabi, he would be ruining his front tire and there's no chance of him winning the race. And you don't know how this develops over a race if he falls back and uh, the other riders are catching him, if he crashes or whatever. So he did the right thing. But it's it's a difficult situation if you aren't able to overtake you. As I said last week, you need to qualify in the front row, have a good start out five laps where nobody uh, can touch you and then have a good pace until the end that nobody yeah. uh, who has maybe a better race pace at the end will catch up to you.
1: The end. The destiny shows the maturity though. But yeah, like you are saying, he shows the maturity of uh, of the champion with saying like, hey, you know, 20 after the race, he was like saying, you know, like I couldn't, I didn't have anything for Peko. I tried a couple things. And so 20 points is better than zero points. Yeah. And that's a champion. that's a champion mentality. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's the type of thing carry him because, like, the best money Yamaha or Fabio ever spent was on that psychologist last year. Yeah, that dude has really helped focus him. Because if this was the uh, Fabio from uh, what's it called, God uh, uh, Patronus, he would have thrown the race away.
0: Yeah, he, he would
1: have thrown it down the ra- down the ra- track.
0: You know? Or he would have melted under the difficulty of the situation because in mm-hmm. twenty twenty he was going to win the championship if he didn't fuck it up but his uh, yep. mind was fucking with him and he uh, he crumbled under the pressure and now he takes the position as they come and writes them uh, as best as he can and not overrides them which was Alex Rins' big problem in uh, yeah. 2021 and Fabio isn't pretty much he is in the same situation but he isn't doing remotely what Alex Rins did so uh, heads off to him and I mean, if I'm Yamaha and I'm retaining Fabio, I might consider retaining Lynn Jarvis and uh, Massimo, whatever his last name is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, um, um, Rivola? No. Marigali. Massimo,
1: Massimo Marigali, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know what I mean. And... I know what you
1: mean. There's so many Massimos. There's Massimo yeah, Rivola from, LA, from uh, Aprilia and then uh, Massimo, yeah, yeah Marigali. Yeah.
0: yeah, and. um. But if, let's say, Yamaha loses uh, Fabio, I would fire the whole uh, the whole team, which is responsible pretty much for this shitty bike. If you aren't <laughs> able to develop a bike which has the same issues as, um, like Rossi and uh, Vinales and Lorenzo, pretty much pointed out, what are you doing? I'm just wondering
1: how many more championships could have Lorenzo or Rossi won if they had the rear grip sorted. I don't think 2015 would have been as close as it was if the rear grip was sorted back then. Because even back then, he was complaining a little bit about rear grip, you know? Yeah, but But
0: yeah. 2015 is probably the worst example because that's the only year where Yamaha was really dominant. I mean, even last year, Fabio was dominant, but Yamaha was 2015 so dominant that they had two riders with like 350 points. They could dream of this right now. Yeah. The last time I can remember was 2009. So if you want to have the best bike on the grid, you need to put the horsepower into the bike, fix the rear grip issue without losing the rideability.
1: That's easier said than done though, yeah, right? Of course it's easier. But, <laughs> done.
0: but Suzuki figured it out and uh, <laughs> Kati figured it out uh, the opposite way. They had the power. They need to uh, add the rideability so to the bike. it in a bit. Yeah. yeah. And they did. they're they're winning in Jerez. Who would have thought...
1: That's what they needed to figure out. I mean, Ducati was like, hey, let's overpower the engine and then we can always turn it down. You know, kind of like getting a fast rider to not crash, you know, um, versus being like, ah, it should be good enough. You know, we'll just tweak the arrow. It's like, no, man. Like, it's better to have too much. You know, like uh, uh, Winston Churchill once said, like, you know, quantity has a quality all its own. Yeah, (laughs) You know?
0: And i have a question for you would you rather have a yamaha-esque bike which is super fast in the corners but uh too slow on the straight or would you go the opposite way let's say a ducati which is strong on the straight and not so good on the corners if you're a rider which one would you choose
1: um there's so many factors that go along with that right because you know, if you have a rider like Lorenzo who was all corner speed, of course you you say the corners. If you have somebody that breaks super hard like Marquez or Dovi used to on the on the Ducati, you say the front straight because, uh, yeah, it's they say that it's easier to make up, it's easier to go uh, make up time in the fast part, which would be the main straight. But the main straight is normally connected with a bunch of turns, <laughs> which is the problem, right? Um, I would say. You know, because that, that's like saying, like, would I rather have, say, my Ducati 748 track bike for the twisties or have a Hayabusa, which would crush it on the front straight? Uh, I would probably say I'd have to go with a bike with corner speed, believe it or not. Um, at my last track day, there was a guy that was there on a brand new Panegali. And obviously, that bike is much more powered than my 748. And yeah, on the front straight, I'd be going down um, and then he'd come putting right past me but I would break later than I'm going to the turn or maybe, you know, going into, in, into, and then like by the third or fourth turn, I would pass him make a little bit of gap, but then yeah, on the main straight, he would come chugging right by again. Um, so I guess the, the real question is what problem is easier to fix getting a bike that doesn't turn to turn or adding horsepower power to a bike, you know? Um I'm a big Ducati fan, so it'd be hard for me to say not the Ducati plus like red, but uh, I'd probably say the smart part of me, I think, says corner speed. What do you say?
0: i take the opposite uh, bike. I would take the bike with more horsepower because it's easier to override problems in the corner, which you can, let's say you're a really good rider, you can override these problems. There's no way to override horsepower. <laughs> If you pull off the gas and uh, the thing doesn't move and everybody flies by, that's a shitty situation. You can't do anything yeah. about it. What What do you want to do? Pull the gas uh, harder? It's not possible. If you have like 200 horsepower, for example, you have 200 horsepower. And if, if everybody else has 230, there's nothing you can do about it. But if you yeah. have 230 and... Um, the other guy maybe in the corner is faster, you can see, okay, what is he doing? What can I do better to be faster in the corners? You know, like Mark Marcus, for example, um, I realized from the track uh, that he likes to break super deep into the corner and then swing the bike uh, to the yeah. other side and then pull it right up and be straight on the gas. Uh, while Aprilia, uh, well, Aleish on the Aprilia and Jack Miller on the Ducati were much smoother through the corners. And Marcus was uh, just wrestling with the thing. And those are the things you can control. You can say, okay, I need to do this better. I need to do this better. Oh, I see. There's no way that you can accelerate faster if you have limited horsepower. You know what I mean? That's a, That's
1: a very good point. That's a good point so you know the, when you put it that way that may that that is a good point but by that rationale ducati should have won every championship for the last like three or four years you know i mean they've had the most powerful bike and they haven't
0: yeah and but yamaha
1: sucks but it's the reigning championship winning bike you know right now the yamaha sucks and it's the night they're leading the riders championship yeah you know what i mean so there's something to be said i i think uh, both things have merit, and obviously, in the perfect world, you'd want both, which is why I think uh, Alash and Aprilia are in a really good spot because there seems like their bike is probably the most complete bike on the track right now.
0: Yeah, of course, you want everything, but uh, of course, if it wasn't for Mark Marquez, though we would have won the championship like three times, you know, and uh, Yamaha was nowhere to be found in these years. and Let's forget Ducati, for example, which, which is just an example for uh. For uh, having a good straight line speed and bad cornering, quote unquote. Even though I think they fixed um, a
1: lot of that. Yeah, I think yeah. They have fixed a lot of no, that.
0: this is just a metaphor. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, but uh, if you if you are on in front with a bike with more horsepower, it's much easier to defend than being in front with a, uh, bike with less horsepower, you know, oh, it's yeah. easier to make yourself a little bit wide, uh, break a little bit more on the inside that nobody can overtake you as easy. Like Aleish, he was so much faster than, uh, Jack Miller and Mark Marcus, but he couldn't get past. So the best bike doesn't, uh, help you at all. If you can't get past the other riders. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah.
1: the amount of gap he made in front of Miller as soon as he oh, got past both crazy. of them the amount of, it was, it's was huge. Like, I don't think that he had anything for the other two guys, even if he'd been, even if, let's say, all three of them had gotten clean away at the beginning. I don't think that he had anything for Pecco or Fabio that day. He oh. would have finished third but maybe a little bit closer to the front group but he would have ridden by himself in third you know what i mean yeah. and then everybody will spin behind but i mean it was you know uh, once he got past you could you could see that he was being held up and that double pass that he pulled on both of them was actually really cool yeah it got overshadowed by mark's save or whatever but that was a ballsy ass move he was like yeah. see you later guys and just went right by both of them that was really cool yeah.
0: But to be honest, he was extremely lucky that Marcus had this save in the exact moment that uh, Jack Miller was, uh, he was overtaking Jack Miller. So what if Marcus had this save like a, a lap earlier, wouldn't have benefited, uh, Alish wouldn't have benefited at all. And there's a quick point uh, I want to make uh, towards Marcus. The fact that he's starting to save these things again is oh. a sign if you're a Marcus fan because he was not having the confidence in the front to even pull off these saves. We didn't see those like in quite a while, you know? And mm-hmm. um, that he's able to do it is, uh, I believe, a good sign.
1: I'll believe it when I see it on the right hand turn, not mm-hmm. on the left hand turn. Yeah,
0: that's the big one.
1: Yeah, that's the big. So, but let, uh, you, you want to talk about the the winner of this yes, uh, past please. weekend's race? Ducati, yeah. my boy Pecco, my boy Pecco is back in business. Uh, what do you? Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on Pecco? Did you? I mean, does the, uh, all the bikes sound a little different? The the Ducatis were always considered to be the best sounding back, bike on the grid. Now on the broadcast, you're always hearing the commentators, the commentators talking stuff. But in real life, uh, just as a side note what bike in your opinion sounds the best
0: this is a difficult uh question because first of all i wear earplugs so and they're of course they're so similar Mm -hmm. because first of all you can't uh be sitting there without earplugs there even the moto three bikes they're so incredibly loud you wouldn't ear really...
1: piercing too that Moto 3 yeah. bikes very high pitched, they go right through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um there was a situation where uh, I met uh, Colin because he had this amazing little gift uh, where he signed and Eddie O'Shea signed. Um Colin Edwards. Was... Huh?
1: Who's that? Colin Edwards?
0: No, it's Colin uh Weyer from the Moto um from the oh, rookies Club. Okay. Yeah, he's awesome. following me. We've been texting a couple of times and he uh brought me this uh, little piece which I extremely appreciate such a nice uh, beautiful beautiful yeah so he texted me like um, he texted me like "Uh, yeah I have a gift for you so I was like what the fuck and uh, Mm. I said "Um, yeah I'm here in turn 15 and he was like oh that's a long way I said okay we can meet at the bridge because um, after the last corner there's a bridge uh, going from the paddock to the track, and uh, yeah, we talked like there for five minutes because he had to go after Watts because obviously he had to race, and um, a race which he uh, he finished uh, third. So congratulations nice. to him! Nice podium, and, place. Good yeah. Time. He's he's doing well. Uh, last season he was uh, like a good rider at the front, but there was a little bit missing. And of course, mm-hmm. if you're competing with Danny Agado and uh, Moheda and David Alonso, they're fast, you know, yeah. and now he won a race. He's developing in the right direction and I can see him being in the championship uh, as well. But uh, yeah, to, um, to the question. And so when I was standing there with Colin, I, I pulled my earplugs out to, um, to talk with him. And it was like the last three minutes of the Moto2 um, what a two free practice three it was uh, Saturday in the morning mm-hmm. and oh my god these things are so fucking loud <laughs> you forget it when you have the earplugs yeah. in because it's just it's a nice sound yeah and yeah you hear it but it's different when they're blowing your fucking ears off and wow. um yeah but to your question honestly I don't know hard to tell hard to tell yeah and I didn't pay any attention to which bike I think sounds best, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I believe it would be a V4 but which one, I don't know, KDM used to uh, have the Screamer engine. which have a have a different I don't know the English term uh, the way the uh, the spark ignites the engine their yeah
1: firing uh, order yeah
0: the firing order yeah this one they have a um, like two at a time and the big bang uh, they have a, a asymmetric one I believe uh, where they have um, for each cylinder uh, um, a specific time where they ignite. So they're sounding a lot different than the Screamer, and I believe KTM uh, abdomed the uh, uh, the Screamer engine. Mm. But uh, yeah, I would say it's a V four, but which one I don't know. Which
1: one?
0: Yeah, I will be in Austin, um, So I will, if I
1: remember, I will pay attention to it. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, we uh, got away. At, uh, the entire race was won in the first hundred yards, obviously. Uh, if Peco had not gotten in front of Fabio, I think the end of the race would have been completely different. Uh, he knew that the race ha- was basically going to be won or lost going into turn one. And he got in front. He was able to defend his line in turn two. And then after that, uh, you know, it was he didn't make a single mistake. He never really made a huge gap and was able to get away. Um, you could see him pull a little bit of a gap down the front straight, but then, of course, uh, Fabio would get him back on the brakes a, a little bit. And, you know, he just wasn't making any mistakes. Uh, and uh, just, I mean, it wasn't the most exciting race. I mean, races like this are never the most exciting. It's exciting in a different way. Yeah. And watching, you know, the, you know, watching him win at a racetrack where they struggled last year at one no, of no, Fabio's no. best no. tracks. Last year they won, uh, they
0: had over Ducati one, too
1: i know but it, well but you know it, he struggled over the weekend and you know then uh, they won because fabio got that arm pump and he fell back you yeah know, and okay. jack miller ended up winning um you know it, this was a win fair and square and, yeah okay and, and so and so uh that was fantastic but of course uh, you know you can't talk about that without talking about the rest of the ducatis um I wrote, uh, Miller didn't wreck. Uh, he did do a good job of keeping Mark Marquez in the from Remember getting into the fight really involved with the other two guys up at the front. So if his job was to keep <laughs> Peko from being bothered by anybody, but, uh, Fabio, he did a good job of that. Um, uh, but, uh, you know Well, do you want to talk about the, all of them together Or one of them at a time?
0: No, uh, the, first of all, I would like to talk about Pecco Because if, <laughs> right, you're, let's if talk we about are me. talking about Eight riders at the time uh, this will Well, no, no,
1: no. <laughs> I don't talk about all eight yeah.
0: But yes <laughs> But uh, Pecco, he was doing uh, His best Roja Lorenzo impression That's what he does, he gets in front And uh, he brings out These lap times and nobody catches him And um, I Agree, kind of with uh, your point there but i believe it would be easier for peco if fabio was in front to overtake him and uh win the race then vice versa you know mm, that... even if it meant but...
1: cooking his front tire behind uh yeah, but, Yamaha, yeah.
0: but i don't believe that he would be cooking it as much because he would get past him easier mm. you know and he was pulling like this 7 tenth gap. And I believe this was the comfortable gap also for Fabio to uh, keep his, uh, his front tire as uh, fresh as possible. But okay. um, yeah, regarding Jack Miller, you saw yesterday the difference between Jack Miller and Peku Bagnaia. You saw yeah. why Ducati probably will replace uh, Miller with Martin. That is on a good day,
1: mm. is unbeatable
0: on a good day jack miller is competing for the podium and there were like a 10 second gap between the first two guys and the uh, uh, and uh, uh, here the marcus miller duo yeah and it's it's just not explainable other than pecco is simply the better rider you know oh of course Miller did good yes but that's his ceiling and pecco's ceiling is world champion that's yeah, absolutely. If peckle gets his shit together over a whole season, there's nobody beating him on this bike. And even now, if he goes on a run, he can probably win uh, Le Mans. He can probably mm-hmm. win Mugello, and he will mm-hmm. can probably uh, win in uh, Austria, In
1: Austria for sure. Yeah, Austria, Austria
0: later on. But those are the next yeah. uh, three races. So, and then we will go to Aston where the Yamaha is obviously faster, but uh, if he wins those uh, three races, we will have a totally different different conversation about the championship because uh, even if Fabio finishes second in every race, what I don't believe, uh, he will be only down like
1: 15 or 18 points. So, yeah. Yeah, no, Peco's yeah. doing good. And, and, you know, Miller didn't wreck, but Martin did. And this yeah. is his fourth DNF out of six races. It's not, you know, the hype around Jorge Martin. I mean, okay, uh, during Q one, Q two, Martin is all anybody talks about. But the hype with him and you know, oh well, he's a shoe in for the factory seat. Um, you know, people aren't talking as much about that as probably as it probably still going to happen, probably. But I mean, four DNFs out of six races is not the season. I think most people. I think most people were expecting him to be. There or thereabouts with the title, title, uh, you know, not necessarily winning, but really being a thorn in everyone's side. As far as you know, um, if anything, being a good tail gunner for Pecco, you know, just like Miller is support for peco right? Um, but you can't help your team or your manufacturer out from the gravel. Yeah, um, and you know, and and but Besta bestinini finished eighth, you know, which was not bad. Um, I think that Martin's factory team team chances are are waning. Uh, nothing's in on pen and paper yet. He keeps doing this nonsense. I could totally see them being like, uh, "Maybe one more year, Primak is good for you. Uh, we're gonna move Bestia up to be your either your teammate or we're moving Bestia uh, directly up to the factory." Especially if Bastianini gets another win or podium this season. I mean, dude's already won two races. What has Martin done? He's finished two races, <laughs> you know, but that's about it.
0: He won last season. And um, I think it's uh, it's like a personal uh, preference thing. If you're a team manager, let's say you're Ducati, would you rather have a rider like Jorge Martin who is super fast but crashes a lot? Like that's his problem he has to fix. Uh-huh. Or would you rather have a, a rider like Inea Bastianini, who maybe isn't as fast as a Jorge Martin at his best, but he's much more consistent, and you need to step up the speed. So you know. And then also there's a uh, uh, there's this uh, preference uh, thing. Would you want to have? Uh, would you like to have two top dogs in your team, like mm-hmm. Jorge Lorenzo and Valentino Rossi? Or would you like to have like one top dog and one supporter like Valentino Rossi and Colin Edwards? That's al- also a thing. Uh, you have to decide if you're a Ducati, but uh, I believe that Jorge Martin has proven that he is incredibly fast if he can sure. get it together. And I believe it's easier to fix this problem. Then I don't want to uh, criticize Inea in any way. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that if both are on their absolute best, Jorge Martin is faster, but he isn't as consistent as uh, Inea Bastianini is. And uh, regarding Inea Bastianini, if you're not moving him to the factory, I would uh, keep him at Grisini because he seems to be very happy. It seems to be a a perfect place for him where he feels like home and no need to put him to Pramag. If you want to give him a factory bike, just send the factory bike to Grisini and let him be there. But um, I would still say that Jorge Martin is the uh, pick to go for the factory team.
1: I know, but then tell me, who would you rather have, Alex Rince or, uh, Alex Rince or John Muir? Because that's exactly the same thing. John Muir was not necessarily faster, but he was fast enough and consistent enough to win the title. Alex Rince may be faster, but he spent half half of his, uh, half of this last season in the gravel. You know what I mean? So the, I guess the aim, now I totally understand the whole having two top dogs in your, in your, you know, garage. That can be a challenge. Um, but I don't think the new generation sees themselves at the top or the second. I, I, I think Jack Miller is probably the last of the old guard. You know, he's considered like it's funny. Part of me always keep think- keeps thinking that Jack Miller is like a young new rider. You forget that he's been in GP for a long time. He's the last of the old breed that would even think of like, oh yeah, I'm the second rider. That's the number one rider. If if Martine or you win, they're like, yo, you try to win, and I'm gonna try to beat you. That's just how it is. Yeah. You know, that and not to say like kids these days, they got no respect. I just don't think they have that mentality. I, d- I think that that's an old mentality that's gonna die with Jack Miller. I think he's probably the last of the dudes that would probably feel that way. I don't think Alex Rince thinks of himself as the second rider compared to Joanne Mir, even though Mir has a championship under his belt, no. you know. And so, um, consistency can be nice, you know. And yes. I mean, honestly, if I had to choose, but my biggest fear about choosing best over. Uh, Martine would be that someone else, Where would they, if Martine went somewhere else, which I know is a weird thing to say, but I would probably rather have Baskinini and worry about, okay, dang, Martine got signed to Repsol. Oh, there he's getting pole position every weekend or whatever. Because I know that half the time he's going to end up in the gravel, so it'll be fine, you know?
0: So honestly, More you're... than
1: half the time so far. Two-thirds yeah. of the time, yeah. two-thirds of the season, he's wrecked out.
0: Yeah, to answer your question regarding Joan Mir and Alex Rins, I would prefer Alex Rins because this season showed if you can manage to stay on the bike, the faster rider is the better rider, and this is the easier problem to fix. I'm not saying it's easy, easier. Yeah. No, the whole That's make difficult. the fast
1: guy not crash rather than make the slow guy. Yeah. But Bassianini is not slow. He's gone no, fast enough course. to win two races this season.
0: Of course. I'm just saying that if Jorge Martin is at his absolute best, he's beating Enea Bastianini at his absolute best. That's just my opinion, because
1: Jorge Martin
0: is a hell of a rider. And yes. uh, he is on one lap, super fast, manages to keep the speed over one race. We've seen uh, what can happen, which is nobody can touch him. Like in Austria, for example, last year. True
1: but i think that that oh, track no. is have you been okay yeah it's, i think something
0: just fell down in my room i don't know what it was but Ooh, your house is haunted
1: yeah. um but, but remember that's a very weird track with very little tire wear because everything is in straight when he got pole position but then at the end Zarko came and beat him was it at Qatar two i think that one time um you know uh Anea does a better job he has more racecraft. he knows how to manage his tires better yeah, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why Martin ends up in the gravel. Yeah, sure, he won in Austria, but what Austria in all four of its turns? You know what I mean? Like you don't have to really save the tires when you're just going straight. Yeah, that's you know? true.
0: But um, the Alex Rins and Joan Mir comparison, uh, I feel like works pretty good because if you give Alex Rins the tools, or let's say Joan Martin the tools, to uh, stay on the bike and be fast, it's easier to fix this problem. Then yeah. to fix the, make John Mir fast all of a sudden. John Mir yeah, won't yeah. qualify on pole and John Mir won't get in
1: front and get away from everybody else. This is pretty much a fact. So he hasn't- Which is funny because that's one of the things I liked about watching John Mir race was because he doesn't, he almost reminded me of Rossi in that way. Rossi was never really a great qualifier, but that meant you got to f- see him fight through the pack and come up to the front, which was always more exciting than seeing Marquez or Lorenzo r- run off at the beginning. Uh, at the beginning of the race, I mean, even Martin, you know Valentino Rossi, I've seen him do that one race, and it was, I think it was 2015, uh, Perez I think, or something, or where he just was in the front and he led from the front and he won, and it was like the only time in his uh, entire career that he's done that. And so seeing Mier come coming through the pack was always sort of fun to to see him do that, you know. But I don't know if it's as fun when you're putting millions of dollars of your budget into seeing your guy win. Yeah. You know, at that point, the most boring race is the best one for you, where the guy's winning by right? 15 seconds and he doesn't have to worry about anything. You know, yeah, first
0: of all, uh, regarding Rossi, it was 2016 in Jerez where he uh just wasn't going away and in- <clears throat> into the stadium section. Jorge Lorenzo launched a very optimistic overtake where Rossi got him right back on the cutback lane. So, um, yeah, regarding this one, and um, yeah. The next part is Ducati or Suzuki or everybody else, uh, or Suzuki not anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are not
0: in the. Ent- they are not in the uh, in the entertainment business. MotoGP yes. is in the entertainment business, but Ducati is not. So Ducati no. wants to have the best bike. <laughs> and I feel like, from pure talent, that Jorge Martin is stronger than Inea Bastianini, and if he can fix this, which he's still in his second season, so. Give him a yeah. little bit of time. Maybe uh, next year it will look uh, completely different. Like Pecco needed two seasons to be good as well. So why not? And uh, yeah, uh, I would take Rojo Martin for the um, for the for the fact receipt. But regarding Jorge Martín, I have a funny story from the race because okay. um, once upon a time I posted the uh, MotoGP hub memes where I put the MotoGP riders in uh, porn c- categories. Oh, and, uh,
1: oh, I remember that one. Yeah,
0: yeah, I put uh, Jorge Martín into popular with women, and. Yeah. Um, after he crashed, he picked up the bike and uh, rode uh, at the back. And there was one woman on the grandstand. Every time he passed, she was like, bravo, Jorge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, would you take him over bassimini even though Basini looks like he's built like a, a boxer and probably is like strong as hell. And Martin's bones are made out of like chalk
0: yeah this is the issue with martin if he crashes seriously he got injured he got injured in 2018 when he won the moto three championship which almost costed him um i can't remember if he was uh, significantly injured in moto two but obviously last year he was significantly injured and this is yeah but if you solve the crashing problem you solve this problem as well so
1: yeah, fair enough.
0: <clears throat> you you have to solve the crashing, uh, one
1: way or another, you know. Yeah, exactly. Let's see who. So we did Pecco, Quadraro, Spargo, Marquez, Miller, Mir, Nakagami, bastianini Bezecchi is just another Ducati rider, of course, but he's doing well.
0: Yeah, he's the top rookie. He's very, very Yeah, impressive.
1: he's doing great. I mean, he uh, finished ahead of Binder, Paulo Spargo on the repsol, Miguel uh-huh. Oliveira, Alex Marquez. Of course, it's a point. Is it even worth talking about Maverick Vinales? um <laughs> like that's like being competitive is not my riding style <laughs> being competitive is not his riding style everything is like oh that's not my riding style let's uh, i'm waiting for a bike that fits my riding style it's like dude like for real yeah it's like maybe you would do better on a yamaha yeah you
0: know? and aprilia uh, losing the concession points is not good for maverick
1: it is not but it is a beautiful beautiful achievement for yeah aprilia yeah. a beautiful achievement and Relation. very impressive and you know well-deserved and everything like that but yeah it's not good for maverick not yeah. at all
0: and regarding Luka marini was the yeah, regarding, I think
1: I, sorry go ahead. i would like
0: to uh talk a little bit about uh, marco basically because he's very impressive and uh mm-hmm. on the previous show i picked him as my rookie of the year you know okay, i'm cool. a huge uh, remy gardner fan but uh, my point i was making was pretty much that uh he is on a bike which is proven to be successful. The KTM isn't or wasn't, mm-hmm. and um, the GP twenty one is the best fully developed bike I've ever seen because it works okay. everywhere and on a mm-hmm. level. Um, maybe that uh, uh, Honda was in twenty uh, in two thousand and one when they just introduced the MotoGP GP class. You know, they are maybe not this dominant, but the ducati gp21 last season it was good bike motherfucker. it was yeah. perfect in any track and uh, he's riding a fully developed bike he doesn't have to uh, think about developing the just bike put gas in and go. Yeah. Just it well yeah just learn a motor gp class and he is doing very very good and that's pretty much uh, what my point was that uh, i thought uh, marco bisecki is the uh, rookie of the year and so far he's proven right we don't know what's up with the ktm because uh, everybody seems to struggle on the thing and uh, I feel sorry for Remy and uh, also I feel sorry for Raul that uh, they aren't in this situation where they have a bike which works where they don't have to uh, think about uh, developing or solving problems too much just get accustomed to the class get uh, experience in there and the results will come like pretty much also uh, Darren Binder he has a developed bike which is historically very good for rookies and the KDM is just even the factory riders uh, don't understand what's going on with the thing so it's it's a tough yeah, yeah. situation to be in but uh, yeah
1: I think they keep throwing parts at it um, I think one of the things with Ducati was that you know Beko said hey we found something last time and between last race and this race we didn't do really anything to it we didn't put any parts on it we didn't take anything off we didn't fuss with it um, I finally decided that instead of trying to adjust the bike, to I'm just going to get it close and then I'm going to adjust myself to the bike, yeah. which is great. Um, I feel bad for uh, yeah, Remy and Raul because, uh, I mean, of course, you know, Raul made himself very uh, unsympathetic of a character with his comments after uh, the championship last season. But, you know, dude is still, again, like we talked about last time, these are kids. They're young and they have a tough job on the world stage and being saddled with that bike. And, I mean, of course, rules has been out um, injured. He, they said he might even miss the next race, I think. Um, you know, uh, it's it's been a really tough time. But, yeah, out of those guys, I mean, Bezeki quietly seems to be doing really, really well. I mean, every once in a while you hear, like, oh, he's gone off or maybe Bezeki wrecked, but overall, he's doing a really, really great job. And, yeah, that is he's lucky to have gotten that bike. And I think uh, Valentino Rossi made a good decision going with, The Ducatis versus either. I mean, if everybody was like, "Oh, go with Suzuki's," and he had a conversation with them, but what would he have been there now if Suzuki had pulled out? He'd have to go hat in hand to one of the other manufacturers and get a shit deal, you know. And um, so I'm glad they went with Ducati, and it seems to be working out really well. I mean, his brother was nowhere this past uh, race, but I mean, Luca Marini, that's he's going to pull, and unless he starts really producing. He's going to be kind of pulling an Alex Marquez situation, I think, by, by you know, next year or something like that. It's like he really has to do something because being Valentino Rossi's brother is only going to work for so long before maybe even Valentino Rossi wants to replace him with somebody that's going to, you know, be more of a factor.
0: Yeah, but I believe it's not the right decision to put him on the GP twenty-two. It's still his second no, yeah, no, absolutely. He should have been on the GP21. And I mean mm-hmm. it sounds good, it sounds all fancy. Yeah, I'm a factory rider, I have this uh year's bike, but if you think about it, you as a young rider, you want a fully developed bike where you just right. can improve your craft and improve to get in uh, to get accustomed to the MotoGP class because it's still a second season there's no way to have a GP22 where you have to um, develop the bike while still learning the class you can do this when you are like a peco who has been there for like three years before he uh, or two years added. yeah it should be 1920 and 21 uh, yeah. he went to the factory so it was his uh, third year so it's a different it's 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 so different and you need to have yeah, yeah. this time as a rookie to just get there and then
1: you can uh, be a factory rider you know you would have been served better by being on a 21 i agree 100 where it's like dude just go race learn the vibe learn what you're doing and then you know we'll put you on the newest bike next time or whatever uh, i 100 agree yeah you, it'd be like you know it's like yo it's your first track day in a car cool um we're gonna put you in the miata and next time you come by, we'll put you in the Dodge Viper. You know what I mean? It's like the Dodge Viper sounds great, but you're going to learn more in the Miata than did the Dodge Viper at your first track day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, yeah. And that Miata is nothing to scoff about. I mean, like the GP21, as you said, was a brilliant bike. I mean, it's won two races this season already. Yeah. You know, think about it. The GP22 just won its first race.
0: Yeah. So it's. It's pretty much the same with my BMW. Uh, I bought the BMW as a track tool for the Nordschleife, for the Nürburgring. And nice. um, I have the E36 uh, 328, which is the 2.8 liter machine. has like 200 horsepower, a little bit under, I believe, is 194, you know. But mm-hmm. it's a cheap track uh, track tool. I could buy an M3 or a Porsche or whatever. but. Sure. You have to uh, you have to be realistic that when you buy these uh, things you won't uh, be able to really ride a Porsche mm-hmm. with limits. So learn the BMW. It's a cheap one. It's reliable. Everything's good. Cool. And later on, maybe I will buy someday uh, an M3. But I don't yeah. need to start on an M3.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, mm-hmm. I mean it, the same thing. That's why I bought the I bought a seven four eight. Now, of course, recently with the pandemic and everything, the value of that has gone up now. It's becoming a collector bike. When I bought it, I bought it because it was cheap. It was mostly analog in the sense that something's not working. Just take the part off and put a new part on or fix yeah. the old one. It's not electronic or anything. Um, and I was like, you know, it would suck. You never want to wreck. But if I wreck, whatever. I've tracked plastics on it. All of the stock OEM panels, which are not even available from Ducati anymore, are fresh and in mint condition in storage, you know, whatever. So I was like, whatever, if, if something happens, because yeah, I could go buy a V4S today, but there's no way I'm pushing that bike as hard as I am the 748 because. I really don't want to wreck a a V4s as You know what I mean? That would hurt. The physical hurt would be second to the wallet hurt, you know, of something like that. And so, and plus you learn more on something that like the 748 is not the fastest bike in the world. It's fast enough for me. I'm probably not even riding it at its full potential. If I can ride the 748 at its full potential, I should be at least doing super stock in moto america or something like that you know what i mean and so the bike is still better than i am um but the v4s i mean you're gonna be afraid to pull the throttle you know like you twist the throttle i mean you're talking about 200 plus horsepower you know that's not something to joke i mean i sold my 1098 super bike to get the 748 because i wanted something less powerful for the track and then i have my sport classic which is my uh, street bike so you know, so I completely agree. And I think he would have been served better by GP21, which all you had to do is, okay, well put in a couple clicks in the front, take a click out in the back, throw some gas, go yeah. versus like, which arrow package do you like, <laughs> you know, that's too much for somebody of his level, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. and uh talking about slower bikes, uh if Celestino Vietti uh wins the championship this year, which uh got a little bit more unlikely by his recent performances. Yeah. Uh let's say he does. I would because last week was a gift.
1: Yeah, a a
0: giant beautiful gift. gift. Yeah. If I'm Ducati, I would put him at Pramark alongside Frankie. Because if I'm Frankie, I would like to head the fuck out of Yamaha. And Mm -hmm. uh, like put John Zarco and uh, Jack Miller in there to experience rider. They can develop the bike. They're not going to win a championship. So mm-hmm. leave the Yamaha to them. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Celestino Vietti, not impressive. Not at all. I mean, he was okay. But the Moto 2 race in general was a bit boring, but he lost a lot of his pace towards the end where uh, Master yeah overtook him, which shouldn't happen because uh, Celestini right. Vietti should be here and Master uh-huh. should be here, you know, and Absolutely. even if even if you're not a championship contender, you just want to be a top guy, this can't happen that you lose so much pace at the end and uh, yeah Ayogura did good congratulations to him but nothing... Again, so not the
1: particular. most exciting race, but a very convincing victory in good yeah. weather from the you know, he got in the lead in turn one and never looked back. I mean, it was yeah. it was a great and a historic win, too. I mean, like first win yeah. uh, uh, by a Japanese writer in a long, long time. Yeah, so. it surprised me
0: because I thought he uh, he won in uh, Moto3, but he actually didn't. It mm-hmm. was his first race win uh, in general since the Rookie's Cup, I believe, or the Junior GP. I don't know. And but nothing spectacular here just proves he's a good rider. If, and if he fixes his qualifying, he can be competitive because and that's he has the right
1: that's, passport. yes, yeah,
0: And that says Achilles heel. But, um, I want to talk about Aaron Canet because what he did was beyond impressive, not yeah. his race in itself, but if you consider that he had surgery mm-hmm. on his hand like five days ago or whatever, yeah. Uh, absolutely crazy i want to know on uh, which painkillers he's on
1: <laughs> for because real i want dude. those two <laughs> i know i mean peko was saying the same thing they use like oh my gosh the clinic mobile has some really good painkillers and then he just smiled his weird smile so i wonder what it is that they give these guys that it it, it has to be something local it has to be something that's injected i don't think that they can give them something in their mouth that goes over the whole body because Uh, It would affect your sort of senses, I suppose. But he an amazing race. I wouldn't say it's at the same level as like Lorenzo at uh, in Germany when he, you know, uh, when he crashed and came back, you know,
0: it was not Asen where he broke his collarbone,
1: when he broke his collarbone, came back and raced. But um, a a very close one, you know, I, I think it was very, very good. And obviously, it's a huge pain threshold. If you look at his full body tattoos, uh, which is really it, he's a cool dude in his yeah. own way i mean he doesn't yeah. give a fuck yeah uh you know um but unbelievably amazing ride yeah. uh by him as well yeah and it, it just uh, to mention celestino celestino i mean i think he's in the vr46 squad so i think if anything he would get pushed up to the vr46 MotoGP gp squad i i, I would yeah, assume that, that would be the logical player. step
0: But who do you replace? Do you want, if you're Valentino Rossi, would you fire your brother or would you fire the rookie who is doing very well, who is also in your academy, you know? The better version would be to put him uh, on a Ducati because if I'm Ducati, I want an Italian rider on my bike. And I also would like to have Frankie on my bike because Frankie is a very, very, very good rider. People tend to forget what Frankie used to do when he had a good bike underneath him. Uh, yeah. He was uh, dominating races in 2020 on a, a satellite Yamaha. He was uh-huh. destroying the field in Moto2. It, it's crazy. He was just unfortunate that he had so many bad bikes. He had the Honda in his rookie season and he has the Yamaha now. But if everything works for Frankie and he has a good bike underneath him, he is very, very, very good.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you think that the, again, with the injury, like, do you think that he's the same rider before the injury? I mean, that injury is like, and you wouldn't think of that a knee injury. Like if he was a soccer player, you'd be like, all right, bro, I'm blown out ACL. You're done. You know, but, and obviously it's a very physical sport, even motorcycle racing, but I'm surprised at how much it's affecting his riding, um, you know, yeah. the messed up knee.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he needs to go to uh, Panama and put some stem cells in the, in the knee, but i don't know uh would be interesting to know regarding the painkillers i talked with uh, remy about this uh, because <laughs> <some> <laughs> Moto gp test and he uh pretty much said yeah uh, i threw him in and i was half of my face so it was a big bag of drugs he said that the doctor pulled out uh you can watch the clip on uh, my instagram bad Moto gp podcast i pretty much uh had some reels of it and should be in there if I remember correctly, and um, yeah, basically it's something you take in. Uh, but I believe there are different uh, painkillers. Maybe some like injections, some like uh, some like pills to swallow. I don't know. But nevertheless, what Aaron Kanet did was supremely impressive, and those are the kind of performances that defy your championship. Aaron mm-hmm. Canet basically has this big of balls right now because mm-hmm. he's this confident. While Celestino Vietti probably, I don't know, uh thinks like, damn, this dude smoked me with a broken hand. I don't get to grips with the bike right now. I don't know what's happening. He's
1: yeah,
0: I don't want to say he's pulling a Lorenzo Baldassari, mm-hmm. but he is a little bit on the downside in the last two races, and he needs to go back up again. And um yeah, but nothing really happened in uh, Moto Two except Pedro. He crashed unfortunately in the uh, second mm-hmm. lap, I believe. Was yeah. it? Was it? Oh, and uh, we have the Fermín Aldegir and Jake Dixon incident. Yeah, but uh, uh, Pedro, he um, that was very
1: ambitious by Jake Dixon. Yeah.
0: But uh, regarding Pedro, he, um, he took the uh, inside line, and Fermín Aldegir pretty much was on the outside. They kind of touched, and he crashed these things happen but uh, i believe it was good that he picked up the bike and rode until the uh, rest of the uh, until the finish of the race and um, first of all it was like a test for him now because he just had free track in front of him and could do whatever he wanted and he chose violence and uh, (laughs) he called up to uh, Antonelli and i believe it was Sean dylan Kelly or Cameron Bobier I believe one of the american team riders I can't remember which one and he was smoking them it was like Alex Rins and Remy and uh, Lorenzo Savadori no. was yeah. so much faster it was incredible so um yeah just get to grips with the bike he's still a rookie these things happen it's valuable yeah, it's valuable to have time on the bike. And as you said earlier, you need to get accustomed to um, to the Moto2 bikes because they take much more maturity to ride them. Source Remy Gardner, and yeah. um, he just has to learn it. And he's in a yeah. perfect team. I wouldn't uh, want to be in a different team because mm-hmm. if you're in Moto2, you want to be at Red Bull KTM IO. You want to be at Mark VDS or uh, Valentino Rossi or Cito Pons. That's, That's pretty it. much uh, the teams you want to be. Those meet. are the
1: four manufacturers. Uh, t- yeah. teams of. Uh, yeah. Those, yeah, those are the
0: big boys. And yeah. um, he's he's very, very, very good. He's just doing rookie mistakes. It is what it is, but the speed is there, the talent is there. And if he works into the right direction, which I believe they will, he will compete for victories, maybe later this season, but for a fact, next season. Yeah, yes. if,
1: if, if he can win a race or be really close to winning a race before the end of the season, then I would put my whole, um, I would put a giant chunk of money on him winning the championship next season.
0: Yeah, bet the Easy. house. Yeah. <laughs> and Sorry, then, uh, babe.
1: But,
0: huh? Sorry, babe, we have to move out. I bet the house on Pedro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> see what it happened was yeah um so moto two and moto and gp sort of a similar sort of thing you know uh, somebody running away at the front um and then of course like moto three is always the most exciting racing uh, of the of the weekend um but you know uh it, it's always the most entertaining uh obviously Guevara's last uh, uh, second, <laughs> was very oh, yes. picking people's pocket was unbelievable. Um, that's the best thing about um, Moto three is that you really, really don't know who's going to win until literally the last turn. Um, so uh, in front of uh, Guevara, Sergio Garcia, and then John Massia, uh, you kind of feel bad for Dennis Onaku, but then you remember that Safagu is his manager, and then you don't feel so bad. Um, you know, Kenan Safagu is such a weirdo, dude. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, uh, overall, it was very exciting. And I mean, Moto3 is always exciting. So, uh, yeah. but, uh, but any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, the race was incredible. And it was kind of weird because uh, Guevara and um, Garcia, they pulled a gap and they were dragging Jaume Masia alongside with him uh, and Yogo Mojera. But Jaume Masia, it seemed like he knew he didn't have the pace to run in front and run away from the boys, so he overtook them and overtook them and slowed the whole group down. It felt like in order to stay in the group, you know? Yeah. Um, and that uh, led to Dennis Enchu and um, Javier Tigas and uh, even Zazaki and those boys to catch up. And um, yeah, but he did his race. He finished on the podium. So, so shout out to Jaume for this and um mm-hmm. yeah regarding dennis enchi i mean he is a very aggressive rider uh-huh. but it seems like he uh he doesn't have the speed to be there right in front you know and <laughs> yeah. the famous casey stoner accord your ambition uh, your ambition over
1: yeah, um, your, ambition to, uh, your ambition outweighed your talent. Yeah,
0: outweighed your talent this way, he phrased it. Yeah. it fe- I feel like this suits very good to uh, Dennis Unshu, but he seems to get his act a little bit more together, which is good for him, but uh, it seems like he doesn't have quite the speed. He is very fast, yes, but not like top-tier fast, not like uh, yeah. Isan Guevara or like Sergio uh, uh, Garcia, but uh, he was good, and I feel like watching the last corner, you saw him going into the corner very, very much on the inside, pretty much as much of the inside as possible. And you know that yeah. everybody who rode a motorcycle or even a car knows if you go from the outside, you can be faster than from the inside. And Pedro last year, he did a miracle because he was so far on the inside that nobody was able to overtake him. Yet he was able to break so damn late that everybody else didn't know uh, what was about to hit them. And Dennis Enshu kind of wanted to force it and wiped everybody out. And it felt like Dennis wanted to do like the same thing as Pedro. He monkey see, monkey do, you know. He saw Pedro do this uh, last year, but unfortunately he didn't have quite the talent Pedro has or the skill Pedro has to pull this move up. So he was on the inside, and Guevara, he probably was like, fuck it, I'll break later than you, and on the outside. And he overtook, like, two dudes on the outside, which was the only way to overtake Anshu, because... On the inside, you couldn't overtake him; otherwise, mm-hmm. it would have uh, gone completely wrong. So he, he took, took the almost the too protective
1: of a line. Yeah. yeah,
0: he took the outside. He was lucky that nobody crashed because uh, it could have happened that some uh, that somebody lost the front and wiped him out. But uh, that's a risk you have to take, especially in motor uh, Three. Um, so he rode the last corner to absolute perfection and. This move is equally as impressive, Edward, as uh, Pedro's uh, last year, like Mm -hmm. the opposite way. And um, I'm very happy for him that he uh, that he finally got his first real race win because Mm -hmm. America last year doesn't count in my book. Yeah, somebody
1: said really cool thing. He pulled a Lorenzo at Lorenzo turn with Lorenzo in the stands. Yeah, (laughs) you know, going around the outside and and very interesting gas gas one two. Who would have thought?
0: yeah but they have the best two riders and uh dennis foggia was nowhere to be found he was going backwards the entire time and you can't uh claim to be a a title challenger and have those kind of performances this is exactly what costed him last year the title that he had these up and down performances while Pedro was getting like a ninth place here and eighth eighth place there and if he was on front in front. He was in front, but Pedro pretty much had one mistake, which was Aragon, and Dennis Foggia had like a couple of bad races, especially at the beginning of the season, and he kind of repeats it. Uh, this is, this can't happen with guys like Guevara and Garcia being constantly at the front, you know. Yeah. Um, but it seemed like Honda uh, had some major issue.
1: Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Yeah, but but so Le Mans. Uh... The next, right?
0: Yeah, in two weeks, which will be yeah. interesting again, because in uh, Moto3, uh, I've heard that the KDM is better in the first years, like acceleration-wise, and mm-hmm. the Honda is better in the later gears, uh, which goes to high-end uh, top speed, which explains why Andrea Mino was unbeatable in uh, in Qatar, for example, on the straight, and Sergio Garcia could not overtake him, but in a track like Haas, where you don't have these long straights, or in a track like Le Mans, where you don't have them either, um, it's probably uh, easier for the KTM. Uh, I don't know how they um, feel in the corner and on the braking, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Scott Ockman... Well, the
1: weather is always so iffy, iffy in Le Mans yeah, well. Le no, the so Weather is going to be... Uh, if it rains, it could be anybody's, uh, anybody's race. If it's dry, then you know we have our main protagonists in all three classes so yeah it'll I'll be very I'll interesting to see if Pekko can keep up his form and uh you know and everybody yeah. else so we'll see
0: i want to give a quick shout out to scott uh, ogden for being the top honda as a rookie he uh we joked a little bit about it uh, he said pretty much that the uh, he didn't have the rear wheel cover at the uh, first races that this was the reason why he isn't at the front And now he got it and he's the top Honda. So shout out to him. (laughs) And uh, yeah, just to wrap this uh, up, I can totally recommend to everybody to go on the race in Spain. It's uh, very, very organized. Um, I would still prefer uh, Valencia because you can see everything. We were at turn six last year and Except from the main straight and the last corner, you can see the whole track, which was amazing. Jerez also very, very nice track to be in, especially the last corner. I can recommend it there. And uh, yeah, Catalonia is next on the bucket list. Nice and very, very cool.
1: And yeah, Muge- a little Magello. Yeah, that's definitely that's on my list as well. So yeah. I'm gonna and do the whole thing, do the track, gonna go do the Bologna Ducati factory tour, everything. a yeah. good times.
0: Which is uh, also beautiful. I've been to Rimini uh, last year for the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix and Mm. uh, we went on our way home to Bologna and watched uh, or visited the um, Ducati Museum. It's beautiful, especially if you like Ducati and have a little (laughs) bit, um, yeah, you get a little bit of a boner for history. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the Ducati Museum is uh, perfect for you unfortunately we didn't uh, have the uh, the guide with us but mm. it is what it is um, I can totally recommend Italy, Rimini, Bologna and yeah if you're there go visit Tavulia it's so beautiful oh, well. Coriano, where Marco Simacelli is from mm-hmm. such a beautiful place uh, on on the earth you know um, yeah yeah because the landscape well is...
1: you have to almost make a pilgrimage for that so yeah that's yeah why if i go to. once i go to italy then we're gonna hit on yeah. spots
0: yeah i can forever. totally recommend to take like a week or two and uh get everything there you know you really don't want to rush these uh, things have the race weekend have coreano have tabulia have like uh, catholica have all those um san marino you can visit it's so beautiful up there and I can recommend to everybody to go there one time. Um, maybe Mugello, I will be next year, which is definitely on the plan because this year it collides with the 24 hours of the ring and I'll be there. So yeah. Um, well, you yeah. have
1: to let me know. Maybe we'll have to meet up in person. That'll yeah, sure. We'll do, it. we'll do the Zoom in person. i will be good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sit right, right <laughs> next to each other and uh, Zoom. yeah
1: Yeah. so just on the other side of the room
0: but just in general if you're in europe uh give me a heads up and maybe we can make something work because it's pretty much a two-hour flight to go to spain it's london is around the corner italy is around the corner i'm pretty much in the center you know
1: sounds good man yeah i was just in england but i i think for work i may end up going to france uh soon and then hopefully to germany as well so we'll see yes
0: yeah, so give me a heads up what do you do in uh france and uh, germany for work
1: well i have uh, i i'm in education so i teach uh, for r co but i also have a uh, family in uh in paris and in london oh. and stuff so i visit them i just came back from england because i was visiting my in-laws in manchester so oh. i have a little bit of everywhere so
0: yeah nice manchester school i've been there uh with my school a couple of years ago and also, Paris is like when you uh, hop into the train in Cologne, you're in three hours in Paris. It's, it's beautiful.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Cologne, that's where Michael Schumacher was from. Yeah, not ki- kind yeah. of. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: He's from.
0: Yeah, he's from Kappen, which is like a couple kilometers outside. But there's this Michael Schumacher uh, kart uh, track where I've been like a couple of weeks ago. Can recommend as well. It's nice. And Very if cool. you are here, go to the Notch Life as well because it's the most beautiful track on earth. 100%. Yeah, They have the tourist drive. So uh, get yourself a car and uh, bang over the Notch <laughs> That'll be awesome. I've
1: done gosh. it enough times on Grand Tourism that I think I had most yeah. of the tourism. Yeah. A good times. But, but thank cry. you so much, for Leo, for having me on again uh i really appreciate our little chats and stuff like that and then uh, it gets me to watch a uh, moto two and moto three with a little bit more <laughs> with a little bit more attention uh so thank you so much for having me on again it's uh it's always such a good time
0: yeah thank you for doing this again and uh next next episode will be in two weeks in Lamo, i believe so okay. goodbye everybody see ya